Hello and welcome to episode eight of the Gear Chick Podcast. I'm your host, Joanne, also known as your Gear Chick. And for episode eight, I want to talk about summer gear and summer riding. You might be looking at gear and trying to figure out what should I wear? What should I choose? I mean, aside from the fit factor, but I'll throw out some suggestions for you at the end of the podcast for men's and women's jacket options, depending on the kind of fit sizing you might need or the styling, just a few of my favorites in each category to give you some ideas. But um, if you're trying to figure out what to wear for summer, there's a few things that I want to talk to you about. The first is why you actually do want to wear gear when it's really hot and why that's actually opposite of what you might think. And then second, how to figure out what kind of summer options you should be looking at because you might be seeing people wearing certain things or not not wearing certain things and then just kind of deciding what to do there. But you don't always want to do what everyone else is doing, right? And depending on where you live, how you ride, who you ride with, there are certainly dozens and dozens of different kinds of riders and cultures and norms when it comes to wearing gear, depending, you know, what part of the country you live in, what the climate's like, you just might see a certain type of rider in your neighborhood or where you live and not knowing anything beyond that, your assumption is, well, that's how it's supposed to be. And a good example of that is seeing people wearing nothing and assuming that's just the way it is. But it just could be that in your small pocket of the world, uh, no one is taking the time to educate themselves or really go out and explore, well, is this really how it's supposed to be? So when you're looking at gear, generally for hot weather riding, if you're pretty much a one to two season rider, and I would say the majority of people who ride motorcycles are really summer and spring riders, unless you ride somewhere like the Bay Area or California or the South, Southwest, where the weather is so mild that you can ride year round. But for a lot of the parts of the country, like the Northeast, where I am, like the South, where it's really humid and it can be even wet, your riding season is very limited. So the natural uh, attraction is to mesh gear. And mesh gear is basically where the fabric has little holes ranging in different sizes to create a mesh net of material to allow air to flow through to your body as much as possible or maybe just moderately. So there's different levels of mesh. There's different fabrics and materials that go into constructing mesh. You have to look at every jacket brand individually as well as the style, each style that that brand offers you to really make, to determine what is best for you because a $50 mesh is nothing like a $500 mesh. Also, a $150 mesh is nothing like a $400 mesh. I've yet to see something that's that comparable between um, those price ranges. But generally with mesh, I, I would say you should err on the side of spending at least right down the middle, somewhere in the $200 or $250 range to start, so that you get something that is going to work well. So there's a huge difference, right, between finding something, well, it works, but working well. And when it comes to your body, your flesh, your bones, your brain, 
You really want to pick gear that is going to work well and not just at the bare minimum to skate by because that bare minimum can mean, it It literally could mean life or death or it could mean minor to major injury. And depending what you do for a living, depending, do you have children? Do you have people that depend on you? These are all the questions you really want to ask yourself to how much do I want to go in? I'd say for summer gear, generally speaking, you know that when you're going in at this mid-level price point, you're getting something that's going to work well. It may not work the best like performance leather or ultra premium textiles that aren't mesh, but when you're choosing mesh, you know that you're going to compromise a little bit because it's just so hot and you want to still ride, but be comfortable and be safe. So I would say try to shoot a little bit higher than $100. Try to go in at like $180, close to $200 to start. And that's where you get the most variety and you also get uh, some of the best product for your budget. I mean, certainly there's always eBay and Craigslist if you're really on a budget. I totally get it. And certainly if all you can afford is $99 mesh because you really don't have the kind of money to spend, then yes, please wear a $99 mesh jacket because you need to cover your body with something that's going to perform better than your normal clothes would, but still ventilate. So looking at mesh jackets and pants, don't forget your lower half of your body also, you really want to think about, well, how much airflow do I need? How much do I need for my body and my riding? Because what you might wear for your body could be totally different than what your neighbor might wear or your friend or me. Um, we're all so different. And so you really want to think about, okay, how light of a jacket do I really need? Do I run so cold? That's me. If I run so cold that I really would only wear a mesh jacket like for three weeks out of the year because it's never that hot here because I live in, I don't know, you live in San Francisco. That's a really good example. It only gets 90 there like one week a year, although this year has been really weird with climate change. So maybe two, three weeks a year. But generally speaking, when you live in a coastal climate like San Francisco or you live... um, on the coast of Washington or Oregon, it's not 100 degrees like it is with humidity for us in Pennsylvania or New York City. So maybe you don't really need something that has the maximum volume of mesh fabric available. And that's what you're going to look at when you're evaluating the jacket. You're looking at the jacket, see how much of that jacket is covered in mesh fabric. There are always no zones where you do not want mesh because you might slide or impact on these zones and a mesh fabric, it's common sense, right? There's big holes in them. So they are only going to hold up so well, especially in high impact areas where the seams are stressed and pulled apart from each other and just ripped and torn um, with the abrasion that's happening, right? So the no zones are shoulders, elbows, knees, and hips. Um, Your back and chest that's where you start to compromise a little bit on the surface area of mesh to get more airflow. So 
those are decisions you're going to have to make on your own to see like, all right, how risky do I want to be here? But that's pretty common to see mesh on your chest and back for the, just so that you can get some air. And there are some exceptions to the rule with high end, you know, $400 mesh where you're getting the most abrasion resistant mesh you can possibly get for that amount of money. Um, but generally you still want to avoid elbows, shoulders, hips and knees because these are our impact points and when you fall down say you're walking down the street and you trip and fall you're always going to use your knees your hips your elbows your um, shoulders one of those pieces of your body will fall on the ground right your hands so you want to avoid mesh there and that's uh, certainly with gloves Don't, never ever wear something that you know that where you put your hand out kind of the meaty part of your hands you're going to use that fabric you want that fabric to be stitched well and have extra um, protection for that motion so with but with jackets and pants um, I'll get to I'll cover some other things with gloves too in, in a minute but with jackets and pants those are the zones you want to you always want to draw a hard line in the sand and go nope if there's mesh on my elbow I do not want that jacket now on the inside of your arm right so if you put your palms up and then you run your hand kind of from your wrist up to your elbow that nice interior soft part of your arm and then like your bicep, maybe flex your bicep so you can see where it is. Um, and then up to, you know, your above your armpit, like just kind of the, um, the interior, it's like the front of your shoulder socket that these are areas that aren't likely to abrade because it's literally, it's almost impossible to slide to use that part that interior part of your arm and body, that's that's a low likelihood. It's a low risk zone. So that's why you don't see extra materials um, for abrasion added to the interior parts of your arms and sleeves. It's always on the outside, your elbows, the outside of your shoulders, the palm, your palm of your hands is probably the exception because you do put your hands down Right, it's just our natural human instinct is to put our hands out in front of us or down to brace ourselves. So, of course, your palms, you're going to use that a lot. So with your gloves, you always want reinforced stitching in along your palms and your pinkies. Uh, with the jacket, though, it's really all about the elbows and shoulders and then the chest areas. Sometimes you'll find jackets that are mixed, so only half your chest has ventilation and maybe the upper half doesn't, but the lower half does. That way you have a little more coverage if you slide on your belly or if you slide on your back. The Maybe the surface area of mesh isn't as wide maybe on the backside and you'll notice, well, why doesn't this jacket have more mesh? Well, it's to protect your body more because mesh fabric, it can compromise depending on what um, brand or style you're looking at you might be compromising protection quite a bit by expanding the area of mesh fabric. So you know, generally you want to try to err on the side of to be a little more conservative, have you know a, a nice mix of textile and mesh fabric. Uh, me, I tend to, I live in a older leather mesh hybrid from Revit because I like that my sleeves are covered by leather, but my chest and back have mesh that's abrasion resistant. So I get the best of both worlds and that's kind of a new concept and there aren't a lot of options right now on the market for that, but I hope that more companies will um, 
start to develop these options, there's there's really only a couple of suits like that on the market. Revit has one for ladies called the men and ladies, so the Ignition 3 suit. It's a jacket and pant combo that's leather and hybrid mesh. And then Cortec had a men's jacket called the Puma with an I-U-P-I-U-M-A, and that was a hybrid leather mesh, and they discontinued it. So I hope that they're going to make another version of it, and that's why they discontinued it. Um, but generally speaking, mesh is really the more the one that everyone's asking for it's the one that everybody wants to buy they'd rather buy a mesh textile because it's more comfortable it's easier to wear it's less expensive the you know budget is challenging so it's just more popular to find mesh jackets and you'll find so many choices um Aside from kind of the coverage you're looking for, and of course the body armor, you certainly want to make sure that your mesh jacket has body armor, just like your leathers would, just like your textiles would. So definitely look at your leather, your armor options for those or what you can upgrade. Most of the time you can add a back protector if it doesn't give you one. Um, but after that, you also need to consider your personal level of comfort for heat. And like I said earlier, um, that as someone who runs really cold, a mesh jacket for me is not a necessity because I don't ride when it's 90 degrees with 90% humidity if I can help it. If I'm on a trip, yes, of course, I'm going to wear my mesh leather. I would, if I was going to go on a lot of long trips in the summer, I'd probably invest in a mesh jacket, but I'm not riding as much as I used and did last year. I'm hoping next year I'll change that a little bit. But for me, dealing with the heat is fine because I'm avoiding the extreme temperatures. And so it's not a big deal, but someone who runs a little colder, I can get away with something a little bit heavier, not heavier, but just not a ultralight textile mesh because I am fine being hot and a little sweaty. But if you're on the flip side of that and you're someone who runs really hot, maybe you're just a really large, you're either a really big guy, you're six foot, 300 pounds or 250 and you always run warm or generally men tend to run a lot uh, cooler than women, depending on your build and whatnot. But if you, you want to take into consideration your personal levels of comfort, do I run hot? Do I run cold? Do I really want something where I can't turn off the air conditioning and it's always going to be on no matter what? Because layering with mesh gear is counterintuitive. It's like having your windows rolled down in your car with the air conditioning on. You get this temporary fix, but all that hot air coming into the car, it's really not working. You know, they're fighting each other. And so you don't want to buy this ultra mesh jacket and then try to layer and make it work in the fall or winter because that jacket is so light that it's the light that lining it and layering with it is kind of useless. It really depends on how much mesh is in there, but you can find jackets that have less mesh coverage and have more solid fabric. And those are the ones I would recommend if you need to layer with. But there's so many choices now that you can find mesh jackets with liners like Olympia, like Revit makes, like Diana. Everybody makes something. Everybody makes a mesh with a liner option. And when they do that, they usually take away a few panels of mesh so that you have something that will actually work well. The key, remember that keyword, work well, not work bare minimum, but work well in later seasons. But if you're really a warm weather rider, absolutely do a mesh jacket. 
Um, there's a lot of choices out there. Just, you know, look at each one and think about, well, how much mesh is on this jacket and how much airflow do I really want? So the more mesh you see, think of it as the higher levels of mesh you're going to like airflow, excuse me, that you're going to get. The more mesh you see, the more airflow you're going to have. And if you want to max out your airflow, absolutely look for a jacket that has the most mesh, except for those slide zones I mentioned earlier of shoulder, elbow, um, knees and hips because you really want those areas to be more solid and hold together better except especially with seam strength and seam coverage because you want none of, you don't want any of those to tear right so then there's the question of well should I even wear anything well the obvious answer is of course you should it's it's an obvious yes even though it's really hot and you have to think about it this way um, if you're in the desert and it's a thousand, you know, it's 120 degrees. Is it better to be walking around with just a t-shirt and shorts on and being exposed to the direct heat like that? Or is it better to be covered head to toe in maybe a light white linen fabric that covers you completely from head to toe, even your neck, everything to keep all that heat out. And that's where, uh, yes, wearing gear is one of those things that will absolutely help keep you cooler. I mean, listen, there's certainly a limit to how cool you can really be even, you know, with gear. Like I, I always find it really hard to say you're going to be cool in this because when it's 90, it's hot and you cannot be cool unless you're in a car with the windows rolled up and your air conditioning on. Like that's the only way to literally be cool and feel a little chilly, right? So your goal with mesh gear isn't necessarily to be cool, but it's to be comfortable so that being in the heat, you're not, it's not driving you crazy. God forbid you're not dehydrating and you're not heat stroking. So I'm going to add a link to this show notes with an article about riding in hot weather and the science of sweat and science doesn't lie. Your body works a very specific way. And in many ways, our body has all these amazing functions built into um, the way, you know, just our bodies, right? I mean, the way that our brain tells us to breathe without us having to think about it, all these different things. And with sweat, you know, sweating is the way we cool ourselves. And I can't describe this better than this visual graphic. So hopefully if you have access to your computer or phone right now and you can pull up this blog post, you can see this article and it just gives you a really great breakdown of evaporation, the definition of evaporation, which is when air temperature is greater than skin temperature, sweating is critical for survival. You have to sweat so that your body can cool itself. Convection is the other kind of aspect of this process. And it's the transfer of heat between the body and surrounding air. So cool air comes into contact with your skin. Heat moves from the skin, um, the high skin to your low air. Air then moves over your skin, constantly pulling heat from the body. Now, depending on what you're wearing, um, how hot it is, um, just how, whether if it is the heat, is it humid? Is it direct sunlight? How are you going to stay cool? And there's, I mean, I guess the best way I can describe this is 
is covering your body so that it's not absorbing the maximum level of heat from the sun at once so that you're not baking your body from the inside. Your gear helps keep some of that out. And the ventilation with the jacket allows for some of that air to come in and make you a little bit cooler and keep you more comfortable. Um, And that's why you want mesh gear, right? So that you can still allow for air to come through, um, but also because you need to allow your body to heat itself without overheating and getting heat stroke and dehydrating. Um, So reverse wind chill is what you are trying to avoid. It's the opposite of a regular wind chill. It's when the air temperature is higher than the skin temperature. Um, And in this article, it says, in a sort of reverse wind chill, when the air temperature is higher than the skin, you will see that as you travel at high speeds and high heat, the amount of heat entering the body through convection drastically increases. Um, One might think wearing more clothes in such heat would be a bad idea, but the opposite of true. The amount of heat that has to be lost through evaporation or sweat must increase. You have to wear material to break this wind to reduce the amount of heat inflicted on your body through convection, to reduce the amount of heat that your body must lose through sweating. Your body can't keep up. And then when that happens, this is when you start getting dehydrated. This is when you get to dangerous levels of heat stroke and then you stop sweating. And that's when you know you're probably heat stroking. It's just and enough and all the water you're drinking isn't helping because it can't, it just can't catch up. It's already beyond this point of no return. So you really, really, really need to cover up. Of course, you're not going to cover up with super heavy, unbreathe, non-breathable, non-ventilated fabrics, but you got to cover up so that your, your body isn't boiling inside. And you can see this when you see people who aren't gearing up, their skin is bright red. First of all, they're completely vulnerable to skin cancer. I would bet you in five, 10 years, if not sooner, these people are going to be diagnosed with skin cancer. I think skin cancer is in the top three, um, like killers in the U S for, you know, people are dying of skin cancer, heart disease, and I can't remember something else. Um, but skin cancer is a huge, huge uh, risk that you're taking when you're not covering yourself. Even if you wear sunscreen, it's not enough for your body not to be baking on the inside. So you can see that when you see people who are bright red, they are boiling, like their bodies are basically uh, being cooked right now. And they're they're probably never going to catch up at that rate. Um that tells you how dangerous that exposure is. It's exposure. It's, it's not good for you. So you want to cover up and this is where your mesh gear is going to really help you. And the other thing that can help keep you comfortable is base layers. So if you do other outdoor activities, like bicycling is probably the most relatable activity. If you bicycle and you're a cyclist, mountain biking or street riding, whatever, you wear light base layers, right? Because you sweat, you're sweating, you're working really hard. You, your base layers are seamless so that nothing's bothering you as you're pedaling really hard and as you're working up those hills and you're you know, pushing your bicycle further, you are wearing 
some bases to keep you comfortable so that your skin isn't chafing every time you're pedaling. You know, that can be a problem, right? Or if you exercise and you work out and you do other sports and activities, you probably wear base layers all the time so that under your soccer jerseys or your baseball uniform or your football uniforms, a lot of people wear Under Armour. And I guess I'd say Under Armour is like the general catch-all phrase for base layers since they kind of invented it. So I always refer to Under Armour as when I say under armor, I'm meaning just general base layers. Base layers will also help you so that you have something to sweat in first. So as soon as your body starts sweating, it'll um, pull that moisture away from you and help wick that away. Um, I, I wear I wear a variety of base layers. Right now, I'm living in, I'm bouncing back and forth between a Nike dry fit women's uh, long sleeve shirt and then a... Dionese women's um, decor dry base layer. Dionese has decor fabric. The company is D-A-I-N-E-S-E, Dionese. They're Italian. And they make a lot of base layers. They're totally seamless. There's no seams at all. And that's the beauty of base layers is when there's no seams, then you can't even really tell you're wearing it. Of course, some fabrics are more breathable than others. So you're going to want to wear something that works for you, whether it's even just a tank top or a short sleeve. But I like full sleeves so that I can get my arms out of my jacket so that my lining doesn't stick to me. Mainly I wear it because the lining of my gear will drive me crazy. If I start sweating, I can feel it pulling up against my skin inside and it's driving me crazy. So I also, just to keep the comfort underneath my gear, uh, so I can move around a little bit inside the, my base. The base layers are completely, I rely on them winter, winter and summer. It doesn't matter what temperature it is. I'm always wearing my base layers unless it's a 10 minute ride. Yeah. 10, 20 minutes, not a big deal. But if it's an hour, two hours, if it's an all day ride, if it's a trip, I'm absolutely going to wear a full base layers top and bottom. So find something that works for you. There are great motorcycle specific ones where they do address the seams like in your seam along your butt so that you're not feeling seams along the back of your thighs or seams along your butt cheeks. You know, um, of course, your hopefully your undergarments also are more breathable and seamless so that you have a more comfortable ride when you're sitting for a long period of time. But the base layers that paired with your mesh and you're going to have a really wonderful, comfortable combo so that you can be out there all day sitting in the sun and happy. Um, I guess a couple other common remedies that people also use is lighter color fabrics, so silver fabrics, white fabrics, or mixed black and gray, black and silver, black and white. Black is still a most popular color. So I know you're thinking, well, why do you want to wear black in the heat? It's because everybody likes black and nobody wants to wear all white or um, even half white because you have to keep it clean and nobody wants to wash their gear. And so it's really a lazy thing. I think it's a convenience factor. And, but I, I'm totally happy to wear something that I need to wash. It's totally fine. I do find that wearing my white leather helps me a little bit because my hybrid is white with black mesh in the chest and the back. So the white leather helps me keep comfortable. Um, so definitely if you can help it, look for some light fabrics as far as um, my favorites for some mesh gear, depending what you ride, there's so many options. Um, 
I guess my few favorites right now for women and men actually is Ruka. It's definitely on the higher price point at about $400. If you look at their airlines, they have the air all, it's all one word, A-I-R-A-L-L for men and for women. I believe it has a slightly different name for women. Is it the air? Yeah. Uh, These European names, A-I-R-Y-A. And their price points are really high because that fabric is very special. Every inch of that fabric, except the elbows and shoulders, slide zones, um, are breathable and and vent at the same time. It's like these micro holes. So instead of big mesh like you see, like a net where you can see through these giant holes, the fabric is just like a ton of micro little holes. So you're still getting the ventilation, but then it ups the... um, ups the abrasion resistance big time. And then you have the most abrasion resistance you can for a textile mesh jacket, giving you the best of both worlds, the most airflow, and then uh, the most comfort, but also the most protection because they also use massive elbow and shoulder protectors. I call them dinner plates because the shoulder protectors look like little dinner plates and they're really big and wide. And so that also lends itself to a profile for women, which you may or may not like so much on your body. So the fitment can be challenging with Ruka there because they tend to be a little bit more broad shoulder, broad chest, and then smaller waist. So if your proportions are not really straight or inverted V and you need something that's really opposite, Ruka is going to be pretty challenging for you, especially the pants. Their pants are very slim and rather straight cut also. So that's, that's a challenge if you have curvy parts or curvy, curvy bits. Um, My other favorite is Revit's Airwave suit. The Airwave suit is just a nice light, uh, less expensive alternative to Ruka. The abrasion resistance is high for men and women. It's called the Airwave 2, all one word. And they do jacket and pants. Um, very light, really comfortable, nice variety of silver. They do mostly silver colorways, so you can do a full silver suit or you can do mix and match black and silver suit. Um, fitment is a little easier. Revit tends to have a more universal f- middle fit. It's still Euro cut, but it doesn't have this unique fit shape that Ruka kind of dictates. And they also have a couple of options. If you're a tour or if you're on your a street twin or your bobber, they even have a brown colorway mesh and like a low profile logo mesh called the Eclipse, which is really nice for $200. Um, abrasion resistance a little bit lower than an airwave suit because it is a little more quote lifestyle driven. So anything that has that kind of lifestyle look to it, it's going to be a little bit lighter, more for city riding. If you're like on a scooter or you're just around town riding and you don't really, you're not touring or traveling or doing a lot of highway riding. Um, after that, I also really like, uh, from Olympia, I like the ladies Eve and I like the men's Newport, they offer larger fitments, curvier fitments, generous fit. If you need a broad shoulder, you have larger arms, you work out a lot. So your biceps are bulging, um, your quads are big, your calves need more space, you have muscles um, and you need more space. Olympia always addresses those body, American style body types a lot better. Of course, the sleeves will be a little shorter, the waists will be a little bit shorter. So Fit types are a little closer, more to a lady's apple, 
or men's apple actually. Um, little boxier, just a little more comfortable fit. Think of it as a loose, really loose fitting suit. Uh, more like a really relaxed fit jean, not for petite or slim body types. Um, of course, for the sporty people who do need more of a trim fit, sporty fit, Dianese and Alpine Stars are always clear winners for that. They offer a lot of sporty mesh jackets. If you're out riding your GS6R, your his and hers GS6Rs, or you're on uh, sport nakeds, you're on a street triple like myself, you're on something sporty and you also want the sporty look and you do need something that's on the slimmer side, I'd say your ultra slim fitments are always going to live with what I call the super Italians, so Dianese and Speedy. And a lot of choices there at Dianese. Um, they always have really great options for aggressive street and sport riding. For the men's side, they have the Dinamica and the Super Speed, which are really popular. I wish they had something equally as strong on the ladies' side. Um, but on the women's, they do have their easy airframe jacket, which is really great when you have an ultra petite figure. Um, same with bottoms. So... There's like a, there's a few options, kind of favorites, just random favorites. Oh, I forgot to throw out for the adventure friends. I really like um, the men's and women's climb mesh, the men's climb induction, and then the ladies Avalon. So really robust mesh jackets, high, high abrasion resistance, a little bit heavier feel, um, very abrasion resistant meshes, Cordura construction, fantastic in between American fit, but not as full fit as Olympia, but certainly not as slim as a Revit or Alpine Stars or any of the Europeans. Kind of interesting in between. Certainly caters a little more to the adventure touring and dual sport folks out there with as far as kind of the cut and the sleeve lengths and whatnot. Um, but lots of choices depending what you want. Uh, I hope I gave you some good insights and just kind of feedback on things to look for. As always, if you have specific fit issues or you have questions on fitment and sizing, always feel free to post a comment or post on my social walls on facebook.com slash curecheck. And I'm happy to give you free advice. Just anything in my brain, I'm here to dump it out and give it to you because it's in here. It's always sloshing around in here and I, I don't need it all in here all the time. And um, it's just silly to like charge you money for it or anyone. So there's always free to ask questions. You'll get free answers all the time. It doesn't matter who you are or what you write. I'm more than happy to chat with you or message with you or um, answer any questions you have. So I hope that helps. I hope you're out riding and having a great time in the summer. I hope you're using sunscreen. I hope you're covering up your bodies. I hope that you're comfortable and you're riding safely and, uh, you know, wearing your helmet, wearing your gear. Oh, I forgot to cover. I'm sorry. I forgot to do a little quick mention about gloves and boots. I'll just throw in a couple of things here. So, for gloves, like I mentioned earlier, you really want to avoid anything that does not reinforce the stitching along your palms, the meaty part of your palms. So from your the tip of your um, pinky finger all the way down, almost to your wrist bone, and then you make 
a little hook to the left or right toward the meaty part of your palm. You want that whole section of your glove to be very well reinforced and hopefully double stitched, either with palm sliders or padding, something there. So if you put your hands down, those gloves aren't just going to tear through to your beautiful palms that you cannot replace. Um, ventilation on the top and certainly perforation around your fingers is always a great thing. It's kind of the same idea with jackets. The more perforation, the more mesh, the more holes are visible to you, the more air is going to come in and tells you how much that glove is going to work for you in the summer versus the fall or even the winter time. Again, taking into consideration your overall um, temperature, internal thermometer, and whether it's broken or it runs a little hot or it runs a little cold, you want to think about that. If I run hot, I'm going to get a glove that does have a lot of ventilation in it. But if I run cold, I don't want a glove that has maximum ventilation unless I'm only going to use it for a week of the year or, or I have a lot of gloves, which is great if you have room for a lot of gloves. But you want to look at like how much air do I really need? Do, do I need on my body? And I see this a lot when couples are shopping together. The male persona of the couple will always tell us how hot they run and they don't need a warm glove. But then the female component of the partnership is the opposite. And she is very cold all the time and does not want a glove that ventilates that much and will often choose something a little bit cooler or just to keep her hands a little warmer instead of something that ventilates to the max because that's not what she might need. So you're, you must take into consideration your individual wants and needs for what works on your body for the temperatures and the riding conditions that you're going to be in because you want to be comfortable and just think about what kind of heat do I need? What kind of cooling do I really need? And I'm, am I really going to use something that ventilates this much. So always ask yourself these questions. Same with footwear. Do you really need something that ventilates to your foot because do you really run hot in your feet? Do you even notice when it's that hot? Um, there's less options for ventilated footwear because a lot of the times people are less likely to need vented shoes. It's usually something that's a problem with the upper part of the body versus the feet. But you can find vented sneakers, vented touring boots. I'd say less of the vented shoes for women because most women do gravitate to wanting something not vented and would rather be a little warmer than having a vented shoe because usually you can get away with a you know warmer shoe. So, But there are vented boots, vented track boots are very common because on the racetrack, usually track season is warm months and you're not going to be wearing a waterproof boot on the track anyway. You're probably going to be picking vented track suits, vented riding boots because you're riding in the heat and the track is 100 degrees, you know, and then your tires get all melty. So uh, that's where certainly depending on the lifestyle, you're going to find different options as well. Um, but there are many, many options for that. And same goes with helmets. You can also find helmets that have more venting options and that will bring more air through to your face and your body or to your face, your chin, your eyes. Sometimes that's too much if you wear contacts. So you also want to consider 
your comfort there. And there are helmets that can vent better than what you have. So if you have something that's really stifling and on the outside only has like one vent or two, well, you can totally find a helmet that has six vents on the, on the front and will let more air, will give you more opportunities for air to come in and maybe four or five vents in the back for air to leave. There are those options as well. And it's kind of the same similar kind of range of comfort um, like your jacket and pants, the more vents you choose, the more air is going to come in, maximum air conditioning. You know, think of those levels as the more vents there are, then the more the, my air conditioning is always on or it's going to be on high a lot and then probably impossible to turn off completely. So again, with gear, it's always about what your temperature range is, what your preference is, and then finding something to work within that range of course, that also works for your riding position. So whenever you buy gear, always make sure you sit on your motorcycle or sit on a motorcycle if there's one available to you to make sure that you're buying something that matches your lifestyle so that you're the most comfortable on the bike versus off the bike. So that's all I have for you for summer gear. Um, I'm not sure what I'm going to bring back to you for the next episode. I'm thinking I will maybe do some Gear 101 episodes, just some general like helmet fitment or general boot fitment. So stay tuned. I'm going to, I'll do my best to bring you an episode sooner than later. Um, thank you for listening. And again, feel free to post comments and questions anytime on my social feeds. You can always find me as Gear Chick without a K. Anyone else out there posting his gear check is probably not running motorcycles, um, but, but you can pretty much find me that way if you just search the internet. Otherwise, I hopefully will um, talk to you very soon. Thanks for listening. <laughs>